Amen. It's a great morning of worship, isn't it? Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful you're here. Uh, my name is Pastor Sean. It's good to see you, and I want you to get your Bible out. Uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 15 if you don't have a Bible. All right. Uh, there may be one in a chair in front of you, uh, and if you don't own a Bible, okay, we would encourage you to take that one with you. That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God, as long as you promise to read it from time to time, okay, and it will change your life. If you need a seat, uh, like, man... You just need a seat. There's a couple available. If you're standing, you need a seat. Raise your hand. All right, we got the air on. Uh, there's a note sheet in your bulletin. I want to encourage you to take that out. Take some notes with me. If you're not yet in a small group, we are doing this series together in small groups, okay? And so at Coastal, we do sermon-based small groups. And uh, well, that means you hear the sermon, and in your small group is, surround, is, is around the sermon that you hear. So your preparation for your small group is is being a part of corporate worship on Sunday, taking notes. And, uh, and so while we're getting all that together, let me, uh, let me give you guys a little bit of vision, okay? Because I know it's your first Sunday. Maybe some of y'all are checking it out. The grapevine in Gloucester is alive and well, and you're like, oh, they're meeting up there, and I'm going to check it out, okay? And so we're still in the process of renovating this space, okay? This is, we're calling this a soft meeting time, a soft opening, okay? Our vision is to do our grand opening in, uh, in September, okay? We will definitely launch two services. If all you show up next week again, we may be doing two services sooner than that, okay? So um, we're, we're very flexible at Coastal. We're always evaluating what God's doing and willing to change and do what we have to do to make it happen. All right, we're going to redo this floor. We're going to build a wall so you can come in and out inconspicuously. Uh, we're going to build a stage, okay? We're going to have a live band. And so all of that is coming. Uh, our vision right now is to have live teaching up here. And so right now on my teaching team at Coastal is myself. Pastor David, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Joey, and uh, Pastor David will probably be doing the bulk of the teaching at Coastal. Uh, we're also getting kind of teched up so that uh, I could even come in on video if I need to, but that really is not the long-term vision. The long-term vision is to have live teaching up here, okay? And, uh, but at the end of the day, here's what we want to do. We want to do what, we'll what you guys are excited about. This is your church. This is the missional campus of Coastal Community Church. We're one church, multiple locations, and we want you to be excited. We want you to be excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to be excited about your local church, and we want you to do what you what you will help you invite your neighbors for people who don't yet know Christ and bring them here, okay? So we'll be evaluating as we go, and we just want to be effective with the gospel. Does that make sense? All right, you guys excited about that? So you're here first week together. Uh, the parking lot looks full. The seating is definitely full, and I hope to see many, many of you next week. I, uh, 1984, I was 15 years old, and I was devastated, if you can imagine the devastation of being a 15-year-old sports fan, and Bob Ursay moved my beloved Baltimore Colts out of Baltimore to Indianapolis, and it was devastating. Y'all don't know that kind of devastation if you're a sports fan, and so at 15 years old, I uh, decided that year as I was watching games on TV, and by the way, this was before cable. And even though there's cable, my parents still don't have cable, okay? You still stand there with your arms and tinfoil to try to watch TV. I have left their house, but I've told them I'm not coming on Thanksgiving if I can't watch a particular game. Y'all, I don't know why you don't have cable at this point, but they don't. 
But uh, 15-year-old boy, I'm watching the only football games that you can get on TV at the time, and I saw this team called the Seattle Seahawks, and I liked their uniforms. <laughs> How many Niners fans are there in the room? I know there's a few, right? And so uh, I think y'all are going to be better than the Seahawks this year. So uh, <laughs> Nate won't be leading worship next week. We'll find a new worship leader, but... But I love their uniforms, and I've been a diehard Seattle Seahawks fan ever since I was 15 years old. Never even been out west, and uh, just like their uniforms, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But uh, if you know anything about it, you probably you don't, but one of the things about being a Seahawks fan is that for the first 20 years, they weren't good and they weren't bad. Worse yet, they were mediocre. In fact, if you go look at their record, they actually held the NFL record of the most seasons that they were either 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, or 9-7. and seven. They're just mediocre mediocre every year. And the worst thing about being mediocre is they make you watch all the way to game 16 of the schedule and then not make it to the playoffs every year, you know, so just annual disappointment for 16 years. And so, and, but the last 13 years, they've turned a corner, right? And if you, if you're a fan of the NFL, you know, like they've been to three Super Bowls in 13 years. They got robbed by the refs and won. And, um, it's against Pittsburgh. I'm still very bitter about that. Uh, very, very angry. And, uh, and then they robbed themselves by not giving the ball to Marshawn. And so we only have one Super Bowl victory, but it's been a great three years. But sometimes you have to wait for things, yes? Sometimes, in, and even in your spiritual life, you know, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, our faith uh, um, what I'll hit on in this sermon is, is we're in this in-between time called the now and not yet of the kingdom. God's promises are true. God made a covenant with Abraham that will see its fulfillment. But there's also a waiting period and a longing period. And I can tell you as a Seattle Seahawks fan, and, and the, when they won their first Super Bowl after being a fan for 30 years, it was a blowout against Denver. And everybody came and saw me that next Monday and like, well, that was a really boring game. I'm like, not to me, it wasn't, man. It was sit back and go, yes, Super Bowl champs, and it was worth the wait, you know? And, and faith is a little bit like that, man. Our hearts long to see our faith become sight, but there is a patience and a wait to that, and that's where we find Abraham in Genesis 15. So I hope you have that out, and, and we find him in 15 clinging to the promise that God had made to him several years back in Genesis chapter 12. So Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, we see Abraham, that's your first point. Oh, it's right here. How cool is this? I can like point to it now. This is great. And I can make you guys read it out loud. And, and, uh, and so we find Abraham or Abram clinging to the promises of God. So look at Genesis 15, 1. It says, so after these things, so hopefully if you've missed last week's sermon or even if you're new to Coastal Gloucester, I would encourage you, these sermons kind of build on themselves when we do series. So you can go on our website and they're up there. And so I want you to see last week's series. Gloucester campus will be up in audio, okay, and, and Yorktown campus will be up in video. We'll grow to where it's in video in Gloucester too, but you can hear each service each week on audio Gloucester, okay? So, uh, and so we find Abraham clinging to his promises, 15.1, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, and he said, and by the way, this is a common phrase, it's over 300 times in the, new, in the Bible is the word fear not, where God reminds us he's with us. He says, fear not, Abram, for I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Man, what a great promise, right? 
Hey, I'm going to be with you, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm going to protect you. And so God promises two things here. He promises to provide and to protect. He promises to provide and to protect. Our, our God promises to take care of his children, both in this life and ultimately in the life to come. In fact, I think part of the problem of American Christianity is we... Um, we're not heavenly minded enough, right? We, we like to think so much about the here and now that sometimes we forget the promises of God ultimately find their fulfillment in heaven. And that is our hope. And by the way, good news for you, right? Uh, this life is only about 80-ish years, depending on what you get. The next life is, you ready? Forever and ever 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 and I could keep going, right? But so you get the picture, but it's forever. And God's promises are going to be assured in the next life for all of eternity. Isn't that great news? We need to have minds that focus on that when we're going through difficult times. Psalm chapter 7 says this, the psalmist writes, My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. Our God promises to provide and protect his children. Now, I find this particularly encouraging as we start this new campus in Gloucester. I want to remind you of one of the promises of Christ. And I don't have it on your screen, I don't have it on your handout, but you can write this down in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus huddles up his disciples and he, he asks them, he says, hey, what is everybody out there saying about me kind of thing, right? And so they're like, well, some say you're Jeremiah or John the Baptist, come back from the dead or one of the prophets. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, well, well who do you say that I am, right? And Peter answers. And what does Peter say? You're the what? Some of you know this. You're the Christ, what? The son of the living God. And Jesus jumps off on that confession and he says What? Upon this rock, I will do what? And what's not going to stand against it? Gates of hell will not stand against it. Right? That's a promise for us as a church. So as we start this kind of this new thing in Gloucester, and you may be sitting here wondering, like, where's this thing going? And what's it doing? Listen, the word of God doesn't return void, and he's with the church that stands on the gospel of Jesus Christ, doesn't waver, that he is the only way to God, preaches that word faithfully, and he will build his church, and the gates of hell don't stand against it. I'm encouraged, aren't you? All right, our God promises to provide and protect. The second thing I want you to see was Abram's clinging to the promises of God is Abram is concerned about the glory of God. And we see that in verse 2 as he gives kind of this strange answer. So God says, listen, I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to be with you. I kind of took that to mean that God's saying, Abram, hey, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make you rich, right? For most of us, that'd be like, that's good. I don't need to hear anymore. I'm with you, right? But Abram's concerned about the glory of God because he knows God had made him a promise to make him a great nation in, in Genesis chapter 12. And so Abram says, oh, Lord God, what will you give me for I continue to be childless? So what's Abram? So God says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make you rich. You're going to be wealthy. And Abram says, but wait a minute. You made this promise to me, and I don't have any kids. And so he says, the heir of my house should be Eleazar of Damascus. Now, let me pause here for a minute because this is like, this is kind of out of the blue. In ancient Near Eastern culture, if you didn't have children, what you would do is you take one of your servant's children and you would make them the heir of your estate. So what Abram's doing here is very normal in the culture. And he says, look, God, listen, you made this promise, but here's Eleazar. I know that's how you want to fulfill your promise, and I'm good with that. And in verse 3, and Abram says, but you've given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, or came to him, and he said, this man shall not be 
your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. I love this because I think Abram is going and he's saying, look, I I hear you're going to take care of me. I hear you're going to make me rich. But at the end of the day, you said, God, you made a promise. I was going to have an heir and this heir was going to be a great nation. And through this heir, every nation was going to be blessed. What is Abram worried about? He's worried about the glory of God, not about being rich, not about being safe. God, you said, and I'm waiting for your promise. I love that. One of the things that I call this hour that we do together as a church, and if you've been at Coastal Yorktown for any length of time, you know this, right? I use the word corporate worship. I often say this is corporate worship. And why do I add corporate to? Well, we're encouraged as Christians to gather together and worship corporately. But it's not the only thing we do that's worship, yes? Whenever we live for God and take him at his word and live according to his word. We're worshiping him. So we should be worshiping him as believers in how we do business. Our businesses should be upright and right standing. And we worship the Lord that way. We worship the Lord in how we date. We go out on a date. If you're single, you're here today and you're single, you go out on a date. You, you worship the Lord when you go out on a date and you, you treat the other person like a, like a like a prince or a princess created in the image of God. You, you know, when you remain pure sexually, you honor the Lord in worship. We worship the Lord in how we treat our parents. We worship the Lord in how we treat our spouses. We worship the Lord in how we speak to one another. In all things, we have the opportunity to bring glory to God and to his name and fame. And so as Abram is clinging to the promises, he's concerned about the glory of God. And so in this, God then reaffirms his promise to Abram. So check this out, Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. And he brought Abram, or he brought him outside, and he said, look up towards the heavens and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Think about that. Now, let me be clear about something. This goes back to week one of the series. I'm, I'm working with something. A lot of you probably missed that and so uh, because you're up here in Gloucester. And so week one, we kind of tied in this idea that in Galatians chapter three and Romans chapter four, the apostle Paul makes the case that, that those of us who are followers of Christ are of the offspring of Abraham. We're in the spiritual downline of the fulfillment of this promise that God made to Abram that look up to the stars of the heavens. If you can name them, them, okay, if you can count them, that's how many followers, that's how many children, spiritual children you have. So why am I making a big deal out of this? Because we as a church are the fulfillment of the promise that's been reiterated here in Genesis chapter 15, where God says, Abram, look at the stars, number them. That's how many of your children should be. So as we link arms together as followers of Christ in a local church, and we use our time and our talent and our treasure to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're a part of fulfilling this promise. Isn't that cool? I hope you're excited about that. Now listen, I, you know, you, y'all live out here and some of you probably have some land where there's not a lot of city lights. Like I, I, I've been out here at some people's houses and you look up at the stars. There's two times I've places I've lived where the stars were just stunning. You know, one, one summer, I spent the whole summer up in upstate New York in an area called Saranac Lake, just outside of Lake Placid. And, and um, I worked at a Christian camp up there. And at night, you know, there weren't many city lights. And man, you look up at the heavens and it was breathtaking. 
But I have one even better than that. I actually spent, when I was 18, I spent my whole summer in Papua New Guinea, in a small village in Papua New Guinea, and there were no city lights, right? And so at night, it was totally dark, and the stars were so breathtaking. In fact, if you stared at the heavens long enough, you actually could pick out the satellites, you know, and you could because they were moving more quickly than, than the stars of the heavens, and, and it was just stunning, you know, and you can't number them. And, and it, when I think about those times I've seen the stars, I think about this passage, and I think, man, you know, we, as followers of Christ, we get to be a part of fulfilling the promise. Listen, and we're going to come back to this in a minute. God doesn't need us to fulfill his promises, but we get to be a part of it. That should excite us. By the way, this is why I think that we should be a part of a church that is always looking to expand, either by church planting and partnering with other churches to church plant, or by campusing, or multiple services. And so when I talk about multiple services in this room being filled, that excites me. Because listen, this is the fulfillment of what God promised to Abraham, and we get to be a part of it. If you're not a part of a church that's looking to fulfill the Great Commission where every tribe, tongue, and nation is seated around the throne of God, and that's not something they're talking about, you need to find that kind of church that says, man, we're pulling our time, our talent, and our treasures to make Jesus famous because we want to be a part of fulfilling the promise of Genesis 15. Abram, look at the stars. That's how many people I want to see seated around the throne room of heaven. And by the way, I'm optimistic. I actually think God's going to be good to his promise. How about that? Like, I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be fulfilled. Listen, there's some, uh, there's some teachings out there that actually tell us we should be discouraged, like the less and less Christians and then Jesus comes back. I actually take issue with that because I think that's not a really a part of fulfilling the promise here in Genesis 15, that, that like a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. That's what Jesus is talking about. We get to influence people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm optimistic that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be successful, and I and we as a local church get to be a part of it. Cool stuff, right? So when you volunteer in children's ministry, you're out there on the parking team. And listen, the parking team got away with a pretty good day today for February, man. There's some cold, rainy days out there, you know, and it's tough. And the music, if you're part of the worship team, you got to get up here at Oh Dark Hundred to set up and to practice. Like, like, that's all a part of fulfilling this promise to Abraham. Does that make sense? Or Abram at this point. And so, and here's probably one of the most important verses of Genesis, and this theme goes all the way through the New Testament, that Abraham, Abram trusted God and it was credited as righteousness. So Genesis 5, 15, 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Listen, church, this is the heart of the gospel, this is the dot, this beautiful, if you're here this morning and you're like, man, what is it that separates, you know, what is it that makes a Protestant church a Protestant church? This is it. It's the, it's the doctrine of justification. Now you may be going, why is he using all these big words? Here's what that means, okay? Let me, let me, let me summarize it for you. According to the scriptures, we are born into sin. Our natural human nature is we are in rebellion to the character and the righteousness of God. And left to ourselves, we love our rebellion and we don't want anything to do with God. And what you and I, every human being actually deserves, left to ourselves, is the wrath of God, which would be justly deserved. Now, that should terrify you a little bit. In fact, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian and you haven't believed God's accepted way of righteousness, then what you deserve is the penalty of God and his character because he's holy and he can't have sin in his presence. However, the God of the Bible 
is also merciful and good and gracious and kind. And so what he has done for us is he has taken his one and only son who was the God-man, wrapped himself in flesh. He was the only person that walked earth that didn't deserve the punishment of God. He's the only person that walked the earth that was without sin and he didn't deserve the wrath of God, yet he lived a perfect life. And then he was crucified and while crucified, he took the wrath of God, poured out on him, for God's hatred of sin. In fact, if you ever wonder how much does God hate sin, it's a good Friday. That's how much God hates sin. And so he poured out his wrath for sin on his son Jesus, and then he died and they laid him in a grave, and three days later he rose again to eternal life, authenticating his claims as being the Messiah, the one and only Son of God. And so the Bible says when we repent of our sin and believe in him, he saves us from the penalty of our sin that you and I deserve. That's the gospel. By the way, that's why we're here. That's why you're here this morning. That's why, we, that's why Coastal is putting resources to be here this morning. And so Jesus Christ is God's salvation plan. And when you believe in him, he is God's provided means of salvation. God doesn't have another plan. Not all roads lead to God. There's one road that leads to God. It is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And when you repent of your sin and believe in him, it's finished. There's no more you have to do to earn God's favor. Isn't that great news? It's done. That's why Jesus hung on the cross. And what did he say? It is what? It's finished, right? He's done the work. And then when you repent of your sins and believe in him, his perfect life, his good works are now credited to you by grace through faith. And so righteousness is credited to you and I through faith. Isn't that great news? Abraham was saved the same way we're saved. He looked forward, we look back. And righteousness is a credit to give. Romans 4 says this, Paul says, this is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring. He's talking about Abraham here. It says not only to the adherents of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that did not exist. This is our message. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ it's not be good, it's not go to church, it's not give your money, it's not go out of here and try to be better. That is not the message of the gospel. The, God, the message of the gospel is repent or turn from your sin and believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. And by grace, you will be saved through faith. We want that for you. That's why we're here this morning. That's why a lot of effort's been put in. We want you to know the gospel of Christ. So we find Abram clinging to the promises of God. We also are reminded through this passage that the journey of faith is never easy, okay? So now God uh, makes a covenant with Abraham. And, and so what he does here in Genesis 15, it's a little bit weird to us, but this is how they did it in ancient Near Eastern culture. When you were going to make a covenant or a promise with someone else, you would, you would have all these animals, okay? Gross and whatever. Okay, but that's what they did, okay? And so it was kind of gross. They have all these animals, and then the two parties would meet in the middle, and they would covenant or make this commitment together. And the animals represented, this is what should happen to me if I break or don't uphold my end of the bargain, okay? And so Abram, God has 
Abram do this? He has him separate all these animals, and Abram spends the whole day kind of chewing the birds and all the wild animals trying to eat these carcasses of these animals, okay? And so then God shows up. So in Genesis 15, verse 12, it says, Then as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell on him. I've always I found that interesting because this is one of the great chapters of the Bible, right? This great covenant God made as he started the kind of the theme of redemptive history. It started with Adam and Eve and in Genesis 3, and it goes all the way to Christ, and Revelation finds its fulfillment, right? But here's this deep and dark darkness fell upon him. And in verse 13, it says, then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So I want you to pause here for a minute, right? So we all know that the people of Israel are going to get the promised land, but I think this is the first time Abram heard this. Like, hey, you're in the promised land, but your offspring, they're going to go be enslaved for four generations. Oh, I didn't know that part of the story, right? I don't even want to hear that part of the story, probably, right? But I will, verse 14, I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. By the way, do you remember what happened in Exodus when the people of Israel left the nation of Egypt? What did the Egyptians do? Anybody know? Gave them their stuff. Imagine if you're the original hearers of the text. By the way, there's two groups of people here. There's the actual story of Abram, right? And then Moses recorded it for the recently freed Hebrew slaves out of Egypt. And as they're leaving, they're reading this and they're going, oh, that's us, right? That's cool. God is true to his promises, right? Yes. Verse 15, and as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age and they will come. And they, your 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 your, uh, your, your heirs will come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. That's a whole other sermon for another day, okay? But here's, what, uh, here's what, a couple things I want to pull out. First of all, we're not always guaranteed to see all of God's promises fulfilled in our lifetime. We're not always guaranteed that. I, I think sometimes we think that. We read a promise in Scripture, and that's why we have to be heavenly-minded, right? And so, you know, maybe Abram, maybe this dreadful part of his dream was like he has no kids. Maybe in his mind, he's like, I should already have a huge family. God promised a great nation through me, and I don't have any kids yet. What's going on? And so maybe this was the eye-opener for him, right? And sometimes I think we have to be heavenly-minded and reminded that God, God has a timetable that is not always ours, but we can know that when we give our, our resources, we're part of what God is doing, we can still be filled with hope. And that's verse 16, right? God says, listen, eventually your heirs are going to come back and take this land. We can take him to the bank on his promises. It's just a matter of timing. And so we're always going to be filled with hope around God's promises, always. We know they're going to come true. It's just a matter of timing. I want to sh- share a little bit of a... Um, personal story here. Because I want to remind you guys, if you're here this morning, and I started this and I'm going to finish with this, that you're here on purpose this morning. It is not an, I don't know what brought you here. And like I said, maybe the grapevine got out and you're like, I'm going to check it out. But, but you're here on purpose. And I want you to pray about that this week. Why did God bring me to that coastal campus launch? 
Now, there's going to be times on the coastal campus that it's different, and you know, I, I bet you some of you are going to go home, and your kids that have been a part of coastal for a long time, your kids had a different experience this morning than they would have had in Yorktown, right? And, and so you're going to have to pray about this. You're going to have to, but I want you to pray about, man, what is my part? And there's going to be times in this journey, it's not always going to be easy. But I want you to be reminded, we're a part of fulfilling the great commissioning that Christ gave to us as believers. And Jesus, in Matthew 28, said he will be with us when we seek to fulfill the great commission. But I want to I I share something with you. 17 years ago, I started a church in, um, in York, uh, actually it was in Denby, at kind of just north of the corner of Denby and Warwick Boulevard. I took over a small church called Bay River Community Church. Uh, yesterday, my wife and I decided, my wife had, we had a couple hours in the morning, late morning, um, yesterday morning. My wife hadn't seen this place. I said, hey, you want to go up and see the Gloucester campus? She said, yeah. And we drove up here and she saw this and she walked in and she said, wow, man, this reminds me of the church we took over. I'm going to tell you all something. The church I took over 17 years ago, Bay Rivers Community Church, had probably about 40% of the people that are sitting right here right now. And I remember, and, it, and she, we left here yesterday, and, go, and the building we took over didn't look as nice. I can tell you that right now. You all have done it. Those of you who gave your, your time up here and painted walls and all, it looks fantastic. Thank you so much. It looks incredible. And I remember 17 years ago, driving around in the community in Yorktown and kind of driving around the, Je- the mall, around Jefferson Avenue and Kiln Creek area. And I remember saying to my wife, man, you know, one of the, I think one of the core sins of American culture is materialism, man. We love our stuff. And I remember kind of driving through the shopping area and thinking, man, how great would it be if there was a Bible-believing church right here in the center of all this preaching the gospel? I had no idea that would be Coastal Community Church. And God gave us an incredible location. Our, our story is we merged with another church called Tidewater Community Church in 2002, and we formed Coastal Community Church. And some of y'all remember that, right? And we met in Grafton High School. And I remember in Grafton High School, I'm pointing to the Hogs because and the Owsleys, there's some families that began to come from Gloucester to our location in Grafton High School. And in about 2003, 2004, I began to share with the elders, I think we need to get to Gloucester at some point, whether it's a church plant or a campus. I didn't know what God was doing, but I and some of the leadership of culture was already beginning to pray about this day. That was 14, 15 years ago. And, and, and God wired this thing up, and he brought some relationships through Ebenezer Baptist. There's some Ebenezer folks here that gifted this church with some resources that we're using, the resources to help make this happen today. And, and so to watch God's hand in fulfilling his promise has been amazing. But it didn't happen in one day. And so I want to encourage you as you take this journey, right, there will be some bumps along the road, okay? And I don't know everything that God is doing, but I hope in the promises of God, that we build his church, the gates of hell will not, prepare, will not prevail against it. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you this morning. What is God doing with you here this morning? And I want to encourage you, if he's calling you here, and he's calling you to be a part of this, to, I want to encourage you to faithfulness, because we find Abram clinging to the promises of God all along this journey. Not always easy, but he was faithful he's the father of our faith, which leads me to the final point this morning, right? So here I've challenged you to faithfulness. The journey's not always easy, but we can always be filled with hope. Why? Because our God is always true to his promises, always. 
He doesn't make a promise that he doesn't see through to completion. And so in Genesis 15, verse 17, so the sun goes down and it was dark. And so, so there's no covenant been made. Abraham gets the covenant procedure ready, but no covenant's been made. And finally, he falls into a sleep and then God shows up as a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch and it passes between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring, I will give the land from the river of Egypt to the great river, to the river Euphrates. Now notice, Abram doesn't meet Abram in the middle. Why? Because he would have been incinerated. All right. When God makes a promise, he makes a promise based on the highest thing that he can make a promise on. That's his own character. Okay? And so he walks down the middle of these carcasses and he sovereignly fulfills his own promises. He's good to it. And we're invited and we get to be a part, and Abram gets to be a part of the things God's doing, and you're invited to be a part of what God's doing here in Gloucester, okay, through the ministry of Coastal Community Church. But at the end of the day, God is going to fulfill his promises with or without you, but we're invited to be a part. Isn't that great? And I'm excited that he uses a, I'm the son of an HVAC guy. That's why I always say I'm just a dumb old age son of an HVAC guy. And God's allowed us to, to establish and take the gospel forward. And God is saying as he walks down the middle of these carcasses that he would cease to be God if he doesn't fulfill his promises. And why does he do it? He does it for his namesake. God has no higher thing that he can bet on or bank on than his own character. And so he says, I'm doing this for my namesake. There's nothing higher for which he can promise. And so when we trust and we take God at his word, not only is it for his glory and his namesake, but it's also for, his, for our good. Yes? We take God as his word. It's for our good. He, God doesn't give us a command because it's bad for us. God, when we read his word, it's because it's for the best for us. And so when we operate according to God's word, we repent from our sins, or whether we're forgiving someone else of their sin or we're walking in obedience to the commands of God, it is always for our good. Why? Because God is good, his commands are good, and our obedience to his commands are always good for us. And so here it is. Here we are in Gloucester this morning. What's the so what? What's the so what? We've got a God that's true to his promises. We've got a God who, Revelation 5, every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be around the throne of God. We have a God who says, man, upon the rock, the confession of Jesus is the Christ. He will build his church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Zechariah chapter 4, the prophet Zechariah says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I don't even consider this a day of small beginnings, but if it was, right, the day of small beginnings, because we don't know what the Lord is going to do. And so here's the so what. What part do you have to play in coastal Gloucester? And you're here today. It is not an accident that you're here today. And I want you to go home this week, and I want you to pray about that. And I want you to show up again next week, but I want you to begin showing up and bringing something. What I mean by that is just a place for you to serve. Listen, we're going to need parking folks. We're going to need sound folks. We're going to need worship leaders. We're going to need children's folks. If we go to two services, which it looks like that might not be that far away, we're going to need multiple children's people. You are not here by accident today. And I know you're excited, right? I've heard you all, man. You're enthused to be here. But now I'm going to challenge you. What part do you have to play? 
Because God is true to his promises. He's going to build his church, and you get to be a part of it. And I think the future of what's here in Gloucester and what God's doing through the ministry of Coastal is going to be huge. I'm excited about it. The, men, the leadership of Coastal, the elders of Coastal are behind it, and they're committed to this. Okay, and God continues to provide. So now, what is the part that you have to play? So let's do this. I want everybody to bow your head. I want us to close your eyes, and I'm just going to lead us in prayer. I'm going to give you a topic to pray about, and I want you to pray silently in your mind and in your heart. Let's start by thanking the Lord for his provision for us to gather corporately here in this location this morning. Let's thank the Lord for the gospel of Jesus Christ through which we are saved. Let's pray for those who aren't here yet. There's, there's people in our community trapped in sin that need to be freed by knowing the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray for your part in this. do you have to play? Joining God as he fulfills his promises. Abram, if you can count the stars, that, that's, how, that's how many descendants you'll have. As many as the stars of the heavens. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. What a great day of corporate worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ here in Gloucester. Thank you for providing all that we need. Thank you for providing our, for our salvation, for your own son, your greatest gift, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we get to be a part of the Great Commission through the local church until everyone hears, God. God, I pray for those that aren't here yet, Lord. There's, there's neighbors and coworkers and friends here in Gloucester, some trapped in sin, God, and they don't know the gospel of Jesus. God, give us the opportunity to invite, whether it be one of the coming weeks or as we target our grand opening in September, God, where we're going to equip everybody to hand out, invite cards, Lord. However that goes, God, I pray that you would draw those that don't know you to saving faith in Jesus. And as we, as this local body, we lift up Christ, we trust that you will draw all men to yourself. We thank you for Jesus, our only hope of salvation, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. If you're here this morning, if you ever have a prayer need, Pastor David and Nate are going to be the main leaders here at this campus. They're always going to be here to pray with you. 
Let's go out singing and praising God, right? I know you agree with me. We have a great God. Yes, send us a great Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go out singing this morning. How great is our God? And I'm going to turn my mic off so I don't hurt your ears. Stand and sing with me.